It's officially DC festival season, and we're super excited about this one coming up on May 18th. Africa on the Avenue is a celebration of the vibrant African immigrant community along Georgia Avenue Northwest. There's going to be interactive art installations, fashion shows, music, food, and local business stands. This one-day festival, organized by District Bridges Lower Georgia Avenue Main Street Program, truly has something for everyone. So I'll see you there on May 18th. Go to districtbridges.org to learn more. Today on CityCast DC, Washingtonian has just put out its list of DC's 100 very best restaurants, and this is for the first time since before the pandemic. Unsurprisingly, COVID-19 has changed a lot about the list and about the DC food scene. Food critic Ann Limpert is here to tell us about the best meals she's had around town and how to make the most of them. It's Wednesday, February 1st, I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast, your daily DC download. Ann Limpert, you are the lead food critic at Washingtonian, which every year about this time drops a list of the best restaurants in Washington. I enjoy this list much more now that I don't have to sign your expense reports. What's different about it? Well, uh, it's the first time that we've done it since the pandemic. So there are a few things that are different. We kind of widened the swath of places that we looked at. We typically in the past have only looked at sit-down restaurants, kind of more traditional and because, you know, everyone's idea of dining out changed so much over the last couple of years, we decided to include food trucks and even a couple of takeout places. So let's start at the traditional end. A lot of these places are pricey, including the, the top spot. Tell us about that place. So the Dabney uh, has been around for about seven years. The Dabney is in Shaw in Blagden Alley, just like a little hotbed of great restaurants. Causa is also there. You know, we've ranked restaurants for almost 15 years. The Dabney has often come up as a number two mm -hmm. spot, but what made it stand out this year is over the summer, they shrunk down their seating a little bit and kind of refreshed their dining room. They also adopted a tasting menu format, which I'm typically like not the biggest fan of, but they also kind of made their food more elegant and it just feels like more of a special occasion place. It is a really unique restaurant and the Jeremiah Langhorn is obsessed with mid-Atlantic history and ingredients. So you'll find like pawpaw ice cream and... Wait, what is pawpaw ice cream? So pawpaw is this like sweet, very seasonal fruit that is found in Maryland and... It makes a delicious ice cream. It kind of it kind of tastes like mango. So he's got that for dessert. That was a palate cleanser. It was a pre-dessert. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you're paying that much, you got to get a pre-dessert, right? Like better. <laughs> How much are you paying, by the way? Gosh, at the Dabney, I want to say it's like one seventy-five a person. And that's for the tasting menu. And that's for the tasting menu. That's not for drinks, and that's not for tax and tip. Dining out, I will say. You should be very glad that you're not signing my expense reports anymore because it has gotten <laughs> almost like doubly expensive. Like what was a $500 meal in 2019 is now a $1,000 meal. And it's kind of across the board. I mean, your sweet green salad is also more expensive. So is this to say that you have to be willing to drop huge amounts of money in order to eat really well in D.C.? No, 
Absolutely not. No, we there are plenty of places on our list that, and even in our top 25 that are really affordable. Like there's Elephant Jumps, which is this amazing Thai place in tucked away in this little strip mall in Falls Church. There is Green Almond Pantry, which is like a lovely Mediterranean lunch spot in Georgetown. Um, and then there's your number four choice. And then there's Happy Gyro. <laughs> Happy Gyro, not the sort of spot that traditionally has made very best restaurants lists. But, Correct. But you guys opened up the format this year and here we are. And here we are. And the, well, and one thing about Happy Gyro is it is owned by uh, Johnny Monas and Ann Marler, who were behind Comey, which was long one of DC's very best high-end tasting menu restaurants. But they have gone way, way, way more casual. They started Happy Gyro as a pop-up before Comey closed at the beginning of the pandemic. And then when they reopened it in its space, they initially were doing vegetarian riffs on gyros or gyros and shawarma and sliders, whereas now the food feels a little more like what you would find at Comey, but just I mean, these very like beautiful salads and sides rather than just like their take on tacos. Wait, what neighborhood is it in? It's in DuPont Circle. So you've named this place that is granted a very high-end chef's spin on like a food truck or storefront Eero mm-hmm. joint. And it's not that expensive. Uh, can you sit down? There are a couple tables, but it's like 99% takeout. It's meant to be a takeout. And what, what's the price point there? I mean, it's, it's obviously it's inexpensive by fancy restaurant standards, but I assume it's expensive by food truck standards. Oh, yeah. So like they do pizza now, and I think a pizza is around $30. Okay, um, that's, a, that's a pricey pizza. That's a pricey pizza. And then they have one of their pastry chefs has a little ice cream business called Happy Ice Cream out of there, which are the pints are very, very delicious. But those are also, I think they're like, Fifteen or $16. So a couple spots below that, there's a pizza joint. Burno. Yes. It's actually another former fine dining chef, um, Tony Conte, who for a long time was a chef at the Oval Room, which has since closed. A bunch of years ago, he left that world and opened this teeny, tiny little shop in Darnstown. And, you know, he makes the dough he makes for the day. When it's sold out, it's sold out. But he does Neapolitan-style pizzas, often with some kind of, like, creative toppings. Like, there's, I think, one with, like, truffle and potato and egg. And they don't take reservations. It's it's a little bit of a risk if you're schlepping from D.C. Mm-hmm. I would get there early. Wait, so you drive all the way from D.C. to Darnstown, which is for the uninitiated in upper Montgomery County. Which is far. And you might not even be able to get a seat. Yeah, you do run that risk, yes. Wait, is there a second best restaurant in Darnstown? (laughs) The only other one I know is like the snack stand at Butler's Orchard. (laughs) But in general, what's the radius we're talking here for for best restaurants? You have something on the Eastern Shore in, in Easton. You've got Darnstown, but you don't have Baltimore. We don't have Baltimore. As you know, our readership is heavily suburban. We have tons of readers in North Virginia. We have tons of readers in Montgomery County. So all of that is obviously fair game. For places that are a little farther afield, like Barouche, which is in Easton, which is the Eastern Shore place you were talking about, we really try to, one, make sure that it is a destination-worthy restaurant. We know that people, most people will be driving over an hour to get there. And also something that you can't get in D.C., you know, Woodbury Kitchen in its day had, you know, this like 
gorgeous sort of like rustic former mill space and there was nothing like it until then the Dabney opened. Everybody knows that getting that perfect Mother's Day gift is basically impossible, but we promise mom will love this one. The Capitol Hill Restoration Society House and Garden Tour is back this Mother's Day weekend on May 11th and May 12th. Tour nine elaborate homes and gardens and three historic buildings on Capitol Hill that you can't normally enter. And if you can't make it, check out the Capitol Hill Restoration Society's other events like walking tours and monthly preservation cafes. You can buy tickets for the Mother's Day House and Garden Tour on Eventbrite. And be sure to follow CHRS on Facebook and Instagram at Capitol Hill Restoration DC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The list is uh, sort of a a mix between a bunch of brand new places, new since the pandemic, et cetera, and some familiar ones. And there's one place that maybe falls in a middle category, which is number nine, Sushi Nakazawa. It's been there a while, but there's a reason people might not have gone to it before. And it's now sort of fair game, right? Yeah, it is attached to what was the Trump International Hotel. It's now the Waldorf Astoria. You know, it's like kind of shoved in the back and you actually can't get to it through the hotel. But I mean, I think the association was enough to, let me just say that it was really, when I reviewed it, when it opened, it was really hard to find people to go with me. So they were getting a free meal at one of the priciest and best sushi restaurants there is. My husband would not go. (laughs) Wait, so what's it like? Uh, It's very minimalist. There is a dining room, but you definitely want to sit at the counter. So it's omakase. So they basically just hand you pieces of nigiri. They have their rice specially grown for them in Japan. The fish is often flown and also flown in from Japan. You see a lot of fish that you don't see at other places. But anyway, but the, the quality is like astoundingly good. And it's a pretty tight like hour and a half of just being handed piece after piece of beautiful, beautiful sushi. There's no... Um, soy sauce they dress everything like so it's ready to eat when it hits your hand what would happen if you asked for soy sauce well so they use it they brush it on but early when i reviewed it my dining companion got admonished by the server for eating too much ginger (laughs) like the customer is not always right no not there Um, are there other places on the list uh that are uh, interesting to you because they're new or because they've changed or anything like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kauza, which I believe is number eight on the list, is a newcomer also in Black Denali, and it's Peruvian, and it's a really interesting spot because the upstairs is called Bar Amazonia, and it's this very kind of like fun, sceny, packed spot for cocktails and share plates of ceviche, and and then downstairs there's a much quieter um, tasting room, and when you walk in. There is what looks like almost like a fish market case. There's these beds of ice with these beautiful whole fish on top. You can order one as an add-on to the five-course dinner, which I, again, not cheap, but I really recommend doing. 
they turn one side of the fish into tiradito early in the dinner, and then they bring it. You can get it grilled with chimichurri. You can get it in a stew. But that is really interesting. And again, like the food is very, very elegant take, but very delicious takes on things like anticuchos, which are beef hearts. And, you know, there's some riffs on street food and it's, it's really, really fun. And I remember our server said, you know, I'm going to get to know you really well. You're going to be here for three hours. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but it ended up being so fun. Are there other places that are particularly exciting to you this year? Yeah. Largente, which is our number three restaurant, is it's just super fun. It's from um, David Deshaies, who is the chef at Unconventional Diner. He was a longtime Michel Richard acolyte. And this is his new spot, which kind of feels like it's in no man's land. It's in Capitol Crossing, which is a development kind of near Union Station on Massachusetts Avenue. But it's this very like glitzy, fun Italian spot, kind of like the kind of place that by description, I wouldn't think would be about the food, but the food, it is all about the food. The food is really terrific. And you may have seen their 40 layer lasagna on Instagram and that's, it's good, but there's far more to it than that. So one of the things that I am like geekily interested in, if you look back through, Washingtonian's been doing this list for like 50 years. Uh, It's changed forms over the years. It was 50 and then it jumped to 100. And you can kind of see the history of this region played out on this list. In the early years, it was like all French, European. It has become much more diverse culinarily. The it it you can kind of see where na- neighborhoods are changing. What are hot mm-hmm. neighborhoods? What are cooling neighborhoods? It uh, moved out to the burbs and back into the city. There's all kinds of of changes, and also the the price point is an indication of things. What in the in this list or in the last few? What does it say to us about how our region is changing culturally, economically, physically? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back, even like 15 years ago at, a li- at the list, maybe 20 years ago, it's so heavily Georgetown. It's actually heavily Bethesda, which is kind of crazy to think about. And uh, it's very, very heavily skewed towards expensive steakhouses, these very high-end special occasion dining rooms. And I actually can remember when it changed. It was when Pelena opened its cafe and was doing its own its own burger with house ground meat and that they would make the buns there and they would brine the pickles there and it was a this beautiful burger with a hefty for the time price tag. I feel like here it was one of the first places that was doing chefy takes on regular food and that obviously took off in like a major way now it's like of course you're going to find a 20 dollars burger there's nothing new about that but that i remember that was a time when there used to be really good suburban affordable food and pretty good high-end special occasion food and not a whole lot in the middle and it was around that time that the middle we always called it like the ambitious middle started filling in. So all of these like kind of like cool, ambitious indie upstart places started opening far from Georgetown and far from Bethesda. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, in Northeast DC, Columbia Heights. In Virginia, there's like still really great eating in Falls Church. There's some interesting stuff in Arlington. We've also been such a diverse city. And I think that the list has always sort of reflected that, but reflects it even more now. 
Do you uh, ever get lobbied by the actual owners themselves, or 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 beaten up on after the fact? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> lobbied, but definitely like beaten up on. <laughs> yeah, I think that it actually is a measure of and your influence that you know in a world of endless amounts of reviews, this is a list people uh, still care about being on. So when they're not on it, they have hurt feelings. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually been really gratifying to see the response to it now that it's back after two, almost three years, that people are just really excited to see it again. And it's, as you know, an extraordinarily expensive project to produce. And, you know, we don't, we go to far more than 100 restaurants, we go to closer to 300 restaurants over the course of, of the time that we put this together. So it is both a ton of work and a ton of money. And so it's really been nice to see, you know, people's excitement to have it back. So one of the down things about it, though, is if you are, it's not going to make it any easier for the places on this list. It's not going to make it any easier to get reservations there. Say I want to go to one of these places you've written up. What should I do? Most of them are on Resi. Some are still on open table, but you should make really good use of Resi's notify feature, which is basically just puts you on a wait list. That's how I ended up getting into many, many of these places. Wait, so you don't show up at the door and say, do you know who I am? (laughs) Do you know who I am? (laughs) (laughs) Where's my prime table? No. And so that has been like a big lifesaver because one of the parts of this job, I mean, there's really nothing to complain about in this job, but one of the harder parts that people don't think about is scheduling. Like Casa was one that like I couldn't get in a month out, but I put myself on the wait list that week and then a table came up and, and there I went. Ann Limpert, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Let's eat soon. Thanks for having me. I would love that. And before you go, here's some quick news. The man who shot and killed 13-year-old Karan Blake earlier this month has been charged with second-degree murder. 41-year-old Jason Lewis says Blake was breaking into cars in his northeast neighborhood. Surveillance video shows that Blake shouted, I'm sorry, and I'm only a kid, several times before he was shot. Meanwhile, Montgomery County is developing a pilot program to increase collaboration between the police department and mental health services. It hinges on pairing a clinical social worker with an on-duty officer. The new program could run for 90 to 180 days. It's modeled after a similar one that's been in place in Anne Arundel County since 2014. Also, Vienna is cracking down on pickleball. The reason? Noise complaints. The town council has approved new hours for the local courts at Glendon Park. Now people can only play pickleball three days a week and never past 8 p.m. The pickleball players say this is unfair, especially since the sound of a pickleball doesn't exceed the noise limit regulations that are already in place in Vienna. And lastly, a reminder, we've got a special week of content coming up. From February 6th to 10th, we're coming at you with a DC love kit, five episodes and five Hey DC newsletters that are all about companionship, DC dating fails, sexy spy stories, and more. Subscribe now to both this podcast and our newsletter at dc.citycast.fm. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. I bet this show made you hungry. If so, tell your dinner companion all about it. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.